One, two, three. Bonus! Bonus, <laughs> <laughs> bonus, bonus! I love it. Cool. So, what is this episode, Rebecca? This is a three treat Friday, one treat bonus episode. We had some extra footage from our second episode and we wanted to share it with you all. So basically, really quick before we jump into uh, what we pre-recorded, Three Treat Friday is a uh, thing my friend Emily came up with where every Friday you get three treats. And I know that sounds really silly and maybe a little ridiculous, but your treats can be a number of things. They don't have to actually be, you know, the quintessential ice cream treat. It can be calling a friend you haven't talked to in a while. It could be taking a walk. It could be anything that you are purposefully and mindfully pursuing as a treat to yourself on this day. And I think if you are purposefully and mindfully listening to this episode today, that is a treat. So yeah. yeah. So the last episode was talking about burnout. This episode, we started talking about caregiver fatigue and burnout through caregiving. Um, So we share some of our stories around that and around health, healthcare. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode and let's jump into it. The reason I stayed at my last job as long as I did was for the health benefits, even though that job was so significantly impacting my health in a negative way that I was having to use the benefits a lot. And, um, you know, like I had a specialist tell me, we don't normally see people with this genetic disorder have their problems in their 30s. They usually start to manifest in their 60s. And they're like, we think you need to look for a different job. And I was like, no, no, the job's fine. The job's fine. And it, it like echoed for me where they're like, get a different job. But then there's this, this fear of if I get a different job and it doesn't have the medical benefits I need for the disorders I have, what's going to happen. And then I experienced that. I experienced my worst fear because I was able to let go of the job I had and instead of going on my husband's insurance through his employer, we decided, oh, we'll just go on the state benefits and it'll be fine. And I have no issue with covered California or anything like that, but where I do have issue is when I talked to the eligibility person. I very honestly told them I have kidney disease and liver disease and an autoimmune disease and I have four specialists and this type of medication, I need to be placed on something that covers that or at least covers it enough that I'm not going to bankrupt myself dealing with my conditions because I have these conditions. And they were like, oh yeah, we got this great plan. It's only you know $400 a month. and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, that's great. Cause going on my husband's insurance would be $800 a month. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? And you know, even through his employer, 
And so we were like, okay, that's good, you know. I go on it in August 1 of 2020. That's when I started. I ended up in the ER August 9th because I was dealing with a kidney issue and I thought I had a blockage. And I was feverish. I was in more pain than I had ever been in dealing with my kidneys before. I was telling Jeff, I was like, something is wrong. Like something, something is super wrong. <laughs> and so he takes me to the ER and of course, you know, it's COVID and they're like, he can't go in with you. And I'm like, okay, I'll go alone. So I go in there and they put me in this room and this doctor comes in full hazmat gear, which I expected. But what I didn't expect was for him to point at me and go COVID. And I said, kidney stones. And he went, oh, not COVID. They put you in a COVID room. And so immediately my heart sank. And I was like, I'm in a bed that a COVID person was just in. And you know, I was already like freaked out and in pain and just kind of like, you know, I think I have a blockage. Here's my history. And you know, I tell him, I have this and this and this and this and this and this and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so he goes, wow, you know your medical history. Let's get you a scan and get you some medicine and make sure you don't have a blockage and need emergency surgery. And I was like, sure. And this girl comes in and she goes, hey, so we see that you don't have insurance. Would you like information on our um, financial aid? What? And I was like, no. yeah. And I said, no, here's my insurance card. It starts August 1st. And she goes, no, the state says it's not until September 1st. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, but I've already paid for the month of August. Like, <laughs> I can show you my receipt. And she goes, you know what? I'll give you the packet. You guys can work it out. No big deal. And so in my head, I'm like, no big deal. I'm covered. I signed up for this thing. This guy said I'm covered, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I get the scan. I get the scan. And um, the doctor comes in, a different doctor at this point, because I was there for hours and they had a shift change. He comes in and he's like, hey, so, yeah, you got a kidney stone. It's five millimeters. It'll pass. Um, here's medicine to help it pass. I need to talk to you because um, the scan showed something weird. And I'm sitting there and I'm high because they gave me Dilaudid. Oh my gosh. And, and I turned to him and I was like, I just want you to know that I have a lot of stuff going on in my body and I don't want to hear it. Like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm not goes, surprised that you said that at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's like, I just need you to listen to me, okay? And I was like, I'm not going to. Whatever you say, I'm not going to hear it. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he goes, well, I'm going to tell you anyway and mark it in your chart that we went over this. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like whatever. Um, and he says, we found spots in your lung in the scan. And I was like, oh. I was like, like what kind of spots? <laughs> and I was like kind of being sassy like yeah was of course like, you were i was like what kind of spots doctor like you know <laughs> tell me the spots and he goes it's called ground glass orbital and we called an infectious disease doctor at stanford because we've never seen anything like this and i'm sitting there like oh god like, what are you Jesus telling Christ. me and so i'm like and I'm just sitting there worried about COVID at this point. Like, I'm not worried about lung disease or whatever. 
And he's like, we can't release you yet, but we're gonna need you to drink some water and we're gonna pull some blood and then we'll let you go home. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And so they tested me for, um, gosh, I should have looked the name. I didn't know we were gonna talk about this, but. Here we are. It's, <laughs> yeah, here we are. You're welcome world. Um, they tested me some for some like a uh, really rare fungus disease because when they saw the spots in my lung, they decided to pull my history of scans, which I have many, many, many scans. And so they were like, you've had these spots go from your left lung to your right lung, to your left lung, to your right lung over the last five years. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's no big deal. Like it's, it's obviously not a thing. It's just like your scanner's broken. And he was like, no, that means you have something growing inside of you that's hiding itself from the world. And I was, wow. yeah, I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> and, of course. Yeah. What else would you say? If there's anything that I've learned about you, it's that you just don't want to hear it. No. And you refuse. Like it just none of anything that anybody says it's fake it's not real yeah. goodbye like not gonna listen to it <laughs> and you're not afraid to say it right you're just like no that's you're good thanks yeah well <laughs> and, and I, I told that. I told him I was like well until I see the test results I I'm just not I'm not gonna worry about it and I can tell you what I worried about it because once those drugs wore off I was scared like I was like yeah. oh my yeah. gosh and so so I was dealing with that and they're like, we we're going to send you to this lung specialist and la la la, blah, 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 blah. And they sent the report to my entire care team. And here's the cool thing, because they found those spots in my lung and because they were what they were, my liver doctor was able to diagnose me with the disease that we could not figure out what it was from biopsies, wow. from all these things. But because of that, he goes, oh my gosh, it's this. Here's medicine that can help you. And guess what? The medicine works. And so, nice. yeah, so it was like, whoa, you know, we've spent all these years trying to figure it out. And this random ground glass orbital crap is what it is. But back to the insurance, um, I, I called the state and I was like, hey, so I went to the ER and they said I wasn't covered. And they're like, our system shows you're covered September 1st. And I was like, then why'd you take my money in July for August 1st coverage? Oh, oh, we'll fix that right away. You know, no big deal. We'll fix it right away. But then I realized the coverage they signed me up for was the cheapest one they had. And it covered nothing, zero, Jesus no blood tests, nothing. It also didn't cover any of my specialists, the ones that I told them I have this specialist, this one, this one, this one, none of them. It didn't cover my primary care doctor. It didn't cover any of my care team, none of my medications, nothing. And I, I lost it. Like I called the, the state and got them on a three-way call with the, the company it was signed through. And I told them that, that their entire purpose was to keep sick people sick and poor people poor, and that I was going to take them to the state and stand them up on national television. <laughs> and like the two people I'm on the phone with, 
Yeah, and I'm like, this is not right. I was like, this isn't right. I have correspondence telling you what I needed. And you preyed upon me needing cheap coverage. And this is what's happened. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not paying a cent. I'm not paying anything. And they're like, well, if you don't pay, you won't be covered and you'll suffer penalties through the state, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you're gonna suffer penalties through the state, John. Like, <laughs> <laughs> John, if you're listening, I'm coming for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was one of like the worst times. And I like had burnout so much during that time but what's incredible is i had started this new job you know hence no insurance and my my boss my two bosses they were just like whatever you need do you need time off to make those phone calls take time off oh do you need a mental health day oh do you want a you day you know like they just that's what that work culture is like that i currently work at and we hope to have them on the show you know to talk about culture and workplace and what they're doing to change the world. And I'm very excited about that. But yeah, it's just like, I think about that. And then I was able to go on my husband's insurance, like, and be covered again. And it's like, how lucky am I? (laughs) You know, it's like, I, I don't mean to laugh about it, but it's just like, whoa, I got, I got dealt a really good hand to be married, you know, yeah, like yeah. what I got married and, and he has great insurance and now I'm covered for all of my crap. The other part of that is like, what if you were not the kind of person to advocate and you were just shit out of luck, um, yeah. you know, and like not the kind of person to call up the insurance company and say, you know, whatever, whatever you're, I'm going to sue, you know, you're going to get penalties from the state, you know, like, yeah, I think me and you are both those kind of people that would do that. But I like, there's not, we're (laughs) not everybody is like that. Not everybody even knows what their options would have been to advocate for themselves in a situation like that, which is terrifying. Um, It reminds me a lot of um, when my grandma was in and out out of the hospital. She's healthy and still alive today. Um, awesome. But it was a train wreck, and we really thought, like, that it was coming to the end. She's 94 now. She's still doing great. This was just two years ago that this happened. But basically, it was a weird time, and, and it's not as, I think, as interesting of a story, but it just kind of shows also the flaws of our medical industry. Uh, she, uh, this was a few months post my grandfather passing um mm-hmm. and her health started to fail she was um she she was very tired she was getting very weak all of a sudden um we brought her to the hospital she had internal bleeding in her colon so they did oh. colonoscopy found the internal bleeding did a, did surgery supposedly stopped the bleeding and then sent her on her way we went home she was still very weak uh, huh. she would, I ended up moving in with her to t- help take care of her because I was only working part-time. I was still living at home. It was right, this was like only a year and a half-ish post-college. So I was still like saving money, was planning on moving at the end of that summer to where I am now. And so I'm, I stay with her. She's still so weak. She's like, just doesn't seem to be getting any better. And she would wake up kind of having these like, 
first thing in the morning, these like kind of panic attacks. And I didn't, my grandma's always had anxiety. So, and I, but I've never seen this before. So anyway, so she wasn't, she was having all these anxiety attacks. I didn't really know what was going on. So I, I'm calling her doctor for her. I'm like, listen, can we get her some anxiety medication? Um, they put her on the lowest dose of this like anxiety medication. It was like 10 milligrams of something, but it put her mind at ease a little bit. She, she felt better taking it. Don't know if it actually did anything. Um, but eventually she's, you know, it's like all very blurry because it was just like thing after thing after thing. We ended up going back to the hospital, I think three or four times in the span of like a month. Um, yeah. Wow. We, I, yeah, it was wild. We went back, um, at some point and she's like, uh, they're like, oh, I think she has pneumonia. So they sent her, give her some antibiotics uh, send her home again. It's not I... that. They never stopped the bleeding. It, she was still internally bleeding, so they had to do the, the surgery, again surgery again to actually oh stop God. the bleeding. Then we go back to the hospital at one point because she wakes up and she's having one of these anxiety attacks where she just feels like she can't breathe, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And But yes. usually when she would get up, she would have this thing. We, I'd put her in her chair. She'd have her moment and it would go away it would subside after maybe a half an hour but it wasn't going away an hour went by and she still felt like she couldn't breathe and it was getting worse uh. and I so I called 911 because I didn't know what else to do and they end up bringing her to the hospital um they put her on oxygen she felt better after they put her on oxygen she wasn't freaking out anymore um she could breathe again we brought her to the hospital turns out she had a heart condition that they had looked at in December or January of the earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. And they chose, she chose not to get a surgery on her heart because she wasn't sure at her age if she would make it. And my grandfather was on hospice and she didn't want to leave him oh. in the middle of all of that. So yeah. she waited, but we never followed up post grandpa's passing. So... Yeah. Finding that out basically jumped her into getting a um, some sort of bypass surgery. Her like one of her arteries was collapsed, so they needed to reconstruct, and they gave her a pacemaker. But what was happening was her blood wasn't pumping properly, and it was mm -hmm. backing up into her lungs, and she couldn't breathe. Oh. And so when she was laying down during the night, it she was not flowing properly. Oh. And so when she would sit up again, it was flowing again. A different like kind of you know it obviously wasn't great because she was still you know exhausted not not wasn't circulating properly still but it was better and she was able to breathe but that's why that morning it just got to a point where it wasn't circulating even after she got up again um and yeah so all of that to say I was going to the hospital almost every day that she was there. I was spending all this time helping her because other family members couldn't be there all the time um I was waiting around for doctors to show up to ask questions and like be there to not only explain it to the rest of my family, but explain it to her as a 93 year old woman who doesn't really know what, what is going on um, half the mm -hmm. time because she's sick and can't advocate for herself, of course, you know, so it's like all of these elements and it's like that, that was a horrible time. I was, because I became this caretaker, I was not taking care of myself at all. Right. My new stress food is peanut butter and jelly. It is the most comforting thing for me because that was all I was eating for about a month. I was yeah, making her food and then not 
feeding myself. I was still trying to go to work when I could. I was trying to coordinate my schedule at work with my family's schedule so that there was someone still with her in case she needed something because she couldn't get out of her chair uh, to go to the bathroom or to get something to eat or drink. I had to make her eat and drink all this shit because she wasn't doing it on her own. Um, It was just a roller coaster of a ride. And then I moved immediately after that which the across like state lines which was another like <laughs> wild time i like there was so much happening Stress. all at once um and then i i jumped into doing a job yeah. literally a matter of maybe a week later after the surgery that she had like i <laughs> it was a <laughs> wild time um but sometimes you have to push through and there's no other option yeah. Um, so caretaker fatigue, that is a whole other thing that, yeah. and I know there are people out there who are talking about it more than us on this podcast. And I think yeah. that that's a good thing, but there's definitely no support in place for people who are not in the industry of caretaking and are just doing it for their family. Like yeah. who, where do those people go? What do they do? You know, like it was so difficult to advocate to get nurses from the hospital to help me take care of her in the meantime Mm -hmm. because it's like you're discharging this woman who's still not well and you're expecting me to take care of her just because I said that I'm living with her I'm not there full time like I can't be I'm not I am I at the time was a 21 year old person (laughs) like taking care (laughs) of this this woman who you know like I I didn't know what I was doing you know or maybe I was 22 at the time but regardless like it it was just a wild and i've and i know so many people who are around my age who were uh potentially having that fall on them to take care of people because they were the most available out of everyone mm-hmm. you know and um that's a little left up too <laughs> the people with the least life experience and the least stability in their life are then forced to like do caregive yeah become a caregiver it's just so interesting too caregiver fatigue is like a whole different side of burnout because you justify burning yourself out because you love the person, you know, so you're, you're willing to, to do that. But when you have that caregiver fatigue, you start to, you know, have behavior changes and you start to desensitize yourself. And I'm not saying you did that, but you as the collective, the general you, yes. Yeah. And what's interesting is the first time I was put on, um, FMLA, uh, leave, my doctor, when we talked about it, he said, you know, you have this condition and it causes these things, yes, and it causes these flare-ups, yes, and we need you to work less so we can test to see if you can't work full-time anymore. We need to see if that's a thing. And he said, also, you have caregiver fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? How, how could I have caregiver fatigue? I'm not taking care of anyone. And he goes, you are taking care of yourself in a capacity that is outweighing your ability to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't understand. And he was like, he goes, think of yourself as someone else and think of all the things you're doing for yourself and working full time and this. And, and he listed all these things and he's like, you have caregiver fatigue. I don't trust that you have enough energy to get yourself to the test. I don't trust that you have enough energy to feed yourself. I don't trust these things. And he goes, and you can't put all of that on your husband either. And I was like, and at the time, Jeff and I weren't married. 
Um, so, you know, he was my boyfriend, I guess, or, you know, live-in lover. Um, <laughs> and, and so I was like, wow, I never, I never thought about that before. So, you know, we can have that for ourselves, you know, especially yeah. not just when you happen to be having medical crisis, you know, it happens when you are doing so much and also putting so much priority on your, your self-care that you are just like creating an environment of disaster for yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and what I thought was self-care was not, it was not yep. self-care. It was neurotic behaviors to avoid pain, you know, or mm. fatigue or whatever it was. And it was not healthy at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, and when That's we say self-care, I think like that is a very important thing to um, to maybe further define because right now, at least on the internet spaces, there's this like conception, I think a misconception that self-care mm -hmm. is just bubble baths and buying yourself something <laughs> nice. And it's not always just that. It's like right now I've been putting off collecting my laundry from the dryer at least it's done but i haven't it's down in the basement and i don't want to bring it upstairs and i don't want to fold it and i don't want to do any of that but that would be something that would be uh you know caring for myself right now i don't really want to take a shower but i should because it's good for me and i always feel better after i do it but it feels like a task you know um Caring for self is literally what it means, not just, yeah. you know, doing nice things for yourself. It's also just, like, putting in the time to, like, force your brain to relax for a second and not think about all the things you have to do. It's yes. it's carving out time in your, your day or your week to spend some time outside, not stare at a screen for a minute if you spend all your time, you know, on the computer or on your phone. Or as we are, <laughs> as we are right now, but like, you know, I, it, and part of this, you know, this doesn't really feel like work to me. This feels like a really cool project that we're doing. And I really hope that it doesn't ever turn into feeling like an, a work obligation, you know, because right. for me personally, right now, I think this podcast is becoming a little bit therapeutic to be able to share this with people yeah. and to share the experience the experiences and the current experiences um, yes. that we're going through in this world, especially right now where, to me, burnout really comes from capitalism. And I think capitalism yeah. <laughs> is kind of at its last leg uh, because as we've noticed in the past year and a half, the system we had was not really working too well. <laughs> um, right. I mean, it's been not working very well for many years, but in particular, it kind of, the foundation was shaken a bit. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of things, uh, I think a lot of the wool was pulled from everybody's eyes, um, uh, most people's eyes perhaps, um, to the to, to the system that, that is not serving us, you know? Um, this is kind of going into a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, go for it. So my question is about that, the idiom of the wool pulled from your eyes. Yeah. And so I, I guess I could Google this, but does that mean we are unsheared sheep? And then when 
when the wool is pulled from our eyes, we're like naked sheep at that point. Like, cause we're always sheep, right? In this world. I guess like we're so. all sheep. I mean, I except cops, so. cause they're sheep dogs. Like, <laughs> ooh. Ooh. ooh, I can't wait for that episode. Um, Me neither. We about sheep dogs. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, interesting. I'm sorry to have interrupted that, but I also, no, I also wanted to say I'm something not... about self care. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I always viewed self care as like acts that we take to like promote our own physical, mental, and emotional health. I feel like self-care are habits and acts that we do for long-term promotion of physical, mental, and emotional health. And care tasks are those things we do to alleviate immediate stressors. Mm. So like laundry, dishes, taking a bath, brushing my teeth, those are things that I do to eliminate immediate stressors and then it puts me in a better mindset. But self-care tasks are kind of like more like long, long-term. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how I always viewed it and that's why I've always been bad at self-care mm. tasks because I don't, if I'm tired, I won't do any habits, short-term or long-term. You know, like, so, so I might be wrong though in my thinking, like I really might, but that's just how my mind always built it. I like that distinction. I think that's a really good way of putting it because, and I'm wondering if like the culmination of a lot of self-care tasks or, uh, what did you call them? Care tasks. The small tasks. Care tasks are the thing that builds up to the self-care, right? So like coming up with a nightly routine that doesn't involve you know staring at your phone until midnight you know something that's mm-hmm. like oh I'm at like you know 10 30 I'm gonna you know put, put on my pajamas brush my teeth you know maybe read a book for 15 minutes and go to bed like that is something that you do regularly that are like small tasks but they build up because you're creating this routine that goes on you know hopefully yes. for a long time and like prevents you from You know, it's like habit forming, I guess, to like build up that stamina of, of, um, well-being, I guess. I don't know. It feels like a weird way to put it, but. The example that I always think of is like my care task of doing my dishes always alleviates stress immediately because I have a clean kitchen, but my self-care task for my mental and physical health is that now that I have a clean kitchen, I can do my meal prepping Mm -hmm. and I have space to to make myself meals for the Mm -hmm. week for the day whatever that may be and I know some of us you know like right now my house is a disaster zone because this week has been very difficult and I had a random sick day that was unexpected and that all we could talk about that in a different episode how sick Mm. days affect me and I am not emotionally well when I'm sick because <laughs> I feel like I'm at the point where the doctors say I managed why am I sick like you know and it's like well because you have autoimmune disease you idiot um <laughs> and I should put a disclaimer out there if you have autoimmune disease and you have bad self-talk you are not an idiot <laughs> like yeah I, yeah I just call myself an idiot but yeah I just kind of feel like like the little things I do like taking a shower that preps me to sleep better you know or 
have a better day or it it maintains hygiene or you know whatever it is and those are like my long-term self-care things where it's like I want to you know I guess like have a healthy hygienic body but there are times with my health where I am so fatigued that standing in the shower feels like like hell like <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening to our bonus episode this Friday. We may have more bonuses for you throughout the years that we plan to be recording this. (laughs) The millions of years. You can't be sick on Mondays. Right. We have that much content. So yeah, thank you very much. Uh, We actually hope that you have a wonderful day today. And we want you to share your three treats with us. You know, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at You Can't Be Sick on Mondays. Use the hashtag Three Treat Friday. And yeah, give us a tag. Show us what you've done. Show us what what you got. Yeah, we really appreciate that. We want to hear from you. Um, We want to hear what you thought of this episode, any of the other episodes that you've listened to so far. Um, Hit us up. We'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm stopping the recording now.